the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, USA Today, NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals, with my co-host Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast as we have episode 473. It's our second show of the week. This is our our preview picks and predictions and, and props, previews, picks, predict, predictions, and props show for week six as the Cardinals are set to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Seth, I think you feel this game is, I think you feel, this is my, this might be historic on this show. You are a little more optimistic about this game than I am. <laughs> and I don't know how many times that has had happened in the last 10 years. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's one of those things that I'm not, predicting a win by any means uh but i do think that the cardinals can potentially keep it close um and potentially cover the now seven point spread uh it's it's moved from six early in the week to it's at seven now on DraftKings. so you know i think a lot of that's uncertainty understandable from from vegas and, and the odds makers but you also have to look at the fact that this is a very, very average Rams team. So those are the, those are kind of the two things playing against one another in this matchup, right? That that's a really good way to describe this squad. It feels like uh, average. They're two and three. They've got a win over the Seahawks. That's a good win. They were beating the doors off of the Colts, twenty to nothing. Then it took them overtime to win in Indy. And then they've lost games to the Eagles, and was that 49ers. The game, yeah, was that was that a game that Anthony Richardson had to leave, or was he playing the whole game in that one? He was play, He played the whole game in that one. He's okay. like, that, that was that game. He sort of just kind of took over and started making plays. Um, the, the the Rams have lost to the 49ers and the Eagles, which literally everyone so far has lost to the 49ers and Eagles. So there's no there's no you know sadness in losing to them, but they also meant lost to the Bengals. It was a close one. Um, though we now know that it looks like unless the, unless it's just the Cardinals that the Bengals appear to be what people thought they were. They just weren't there yet. And so a loss yeah. to the Bengals probably and, isn't anything to be ashamed of. And, and not to create any excuse or, anything of that nature, but um, the more that comes out from Cincinnati after that game, the more you're like, oh, this is a, uh, that was a very good team that had played mostly bad, like we had talked about, right? And and then came in and won that game. And, and you saw in that situation where uh, Joe Burrow is starting to move around and get healthy again. And that's, you know, that's the the key to that Bengals season. So it just, it's not, it um, at least right now, it doesn't look as bad as like the Giants loss. Um, the Giants are just a terrible team and the Cardinals choked it away. Um, but it, it does look like they just happened to be the team that the, they got caught right the, on. Yeah. Yeah. That caught, that the Bengals caught the Cardinals at the right time as they were starting to get healthy. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but you know, for the highlights from Burrow at practice this week, he's working on his Patrick Mahomes throws. Like he's, oh, he's geez. running, <laughs> s- running full speed, sprinting and throwing off that, that right. Man, the AFC is fun. That AFC is fun. And, and so that's the thing is like, we were cautiously, maybe not even cautiously. We were overly hopeful, optimistic that, it wouldn't be that week that it wouldn't be against the Cardinals. And then, you know, unfortunately the injury to James Conner really just <laughs> yeah. put that game into a spot where it was never going to happen. And and you'll never, but you never know those things until it happens. Right. And and it happened and it is what it is. And now, you know, we're back to, okay, is this a, just a bad team? And, and 
like we talked about on Tuesday, and I ha- highly recommend, you know, you listen to all our shows, but Tuesday we discuss the reality of this roster and, and the importance these injuries play and why even in a loss to the Bengals where there was a lot of disappointment, you know, unquestioned disappointment, it wasn't a bad loss because in the end, when you're talking about not having, you know, your best offensive player in James Conner now, and then losing probably your, what, second best defensive player currently uh, in Jalen Thompson, I would say maybe Kaiser's their best, but, you know, Jalen Thompson, their second best. Um, before halfway through the game it is a less than optimal situation and and the cardinals did well enough you know to to keep it close and have chances but that for failed fourth down and then just the residual after that played into it and i think it's weighing heavily on the minds of of odds makers this week heading into into the weekend because as we'll discuss later we don't have a lot of prop bets to give you on the Cardinals going into this game no we don't so you, that I definitely have one de- definitely Cooper Cup but let's let's look at first as we've done the last few weeks in, in this show is look at the Rams as a team what they offer then we'll go into keys and matchups and then in the last segment we will make our picks predictions and talk about the bets that you can make some money on which injuries and in, in, <laughs> this I hate it when we recommend certain things and we're like, what the frick? You know, James Conner should, you know, over 58 and a half. That seemed like a lot. Six carries, 46 yards, but then he gets hurt. That's just sadness. That's sadness. Um, but average is a really good way to describe the Rams. Let's let's kind of look at the numbers. They are 15th in scoring, 16th in scoring defense. Uh, they do have a top 10 offensive unit in terms of yards. Um and are 15th in yards allowed. And so, you know, it, it's pre- they, they are a productive offense, which is what you should expect from Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. But they are very average at scoring the ball. But I, I guess in a way we have to, we have to recognize the fact that uh, Cam Akers basically fell off a cliff and they, they stopped trusting him. They didn't have Cooper Cup to start the season, and they're just now getting him back. Um, and St- Stafford has been, I guess, is just been unimpressive. They, yeah, av- average. I mean, you said it to begin with. Average. I mean, he's he's completing barely sixty percent of his passes. Five That's touchdowns, not, five interceptions. I'm, I mean, just a very, very average season and so you know i talked to evan craig from uh turf show times i'm I'm sure you're gonna talk to somebody from rams wire and it's it's the reality of that you look at the games that they've lost and those are where he's putting up his numbers right uh the loss to philly like you said nothing to nothing to snub your nose at 222 yards two touchdowns no picks but just barely under 57 percent completions the loss to Cincy, sub-55% completions, one touchdown, two interceptions. And then the loss to San Francisco, just over or just under 62%, only one touchdown, two interceptions. So, you know, four touchdowns, four interceptions in the losses with a sub-57% completion percentage that's not a recipe for winning football and and that's kind of where Stafford is at this point in his career and it's not that he's a bad quarterback it's just that he's like a a a better souped up like more skills version of of like a Josh Dobbs and and you might say well you know that's insulting to Stafford who's been a borderline all pro a number of times in his career and and it's not what it is is it's just the reality of where he is a 35 year old quarterback that's had a litany of shoulder issues throughout his career just injuries um that's done everything that's kind of been needed from him including winning a super bowl right and so he had the magical year that magical year in 2021 yeah, that that was it was everything that came together, and since then it's been underwhelming. Um, 
they they do have. I, I will say this: without Cooper Cup in the lineup, I thought they were going to be bad. And while the average is the way to describe them, they do have absolutely one huge bright spot, and that'd be rookie Puka Nakua, uh, rookie out of BYU, a guy actually that I liked as a as a receiver late in the draft, but he's far exceeded any. Like he's setting rookie records. Um, he beat Anquan Bolden's uh, four, first four-game production in the NFL. Um, and after four games, had outproduced uh, the five-game record in terms of receiving yards um, and receptions. And so right, right now, through five games, he's got 46 catches for 572 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Um, and then they got Cooper Cup back, and so you wondered how that was going to turn out. Cooper Cup came back. He had eight catches for eight, 118 yards, which is kind of what you would expect to see from him, and Puka still had seven catches for 71 yards and a touchdown last week. Tutu Atwell, through the first three games of the season, was surprised, like for a guy that had been an absolute bust for them or for the first three years of his career. Absolute bust. Um, was super productive for the first three games, and I think he will probably basically disappear now, um, production-wise, with Cup. And I, and I think that their their now duo of Cup and Nakua will continue to produce, but everything else about that offense is pretty ordinary. Tyler Higby only has 18 catches so far this year. Kyron Williams has has 298 yards and is averaging 3.9 yards per carry which is underwhelming uh and so offensively they're very meh they're like they're as the kids like to say they're mid they are mid offensively except for polka and and i guess uh, i guess you can say that they that they'll get volume yards in the passing game it's just going to be a matter of how much they score yeah and and that's the reality of who they are right now and like you said it's not something we expected as long as Matthew Stafford was healthy, right? Like we understood last year when he was out most of the season, them averaging, you know, 18 points a game, but, but he, you know, he threw, he only threw 300 passes. They were going with Baker Mayfield, John Wolford, Bryce Perkins. I mean, they had a litany of guys that they, they brought in and this year through, you know, like you said, five games, they're up. I mean, twenty-two points a game. That's that's the Stafford effect. But they're just like just kind of middle of the road and everything. It's crazy to look at, right? Um, yards, you know, yards on the season. They're eighth overall um, and fifth in passing yardage, but nineteenth in touchdowns, twenty-first in rushing attempts, and twenty-second in, in rushing yards. Um, they're 23rd in yards per attempt rushing the ball, which is not great at all. When again, when a guy in Stafford is just playing a very average type of ball, um, you know. But the big things for them on offense is that they're just they're a little overwhelmed inside the box. Um, you know, they don't have a great. Uh, offensive line anymore uh, they've never really solved the Andrew Whitworth situation which I mean let's be honest you know when Trent Williams leaves it's not going to be easy to replace him for for San Francisco and while um, you know Whitworth was never on the same level as a uh, as a Trent Williams, he was really, really close to that level. And, and so, um, you know, just to see their struggles, I don't think is shocking. Um, I, I do think it is surprising how, again, we're going to use this word a lot, and, and we don't mean it to be demeaning by any stretch of the imagination because when you talk about an average team that's better than what the Arizona Cardinals are without, (laughs) without a doubt. Um, But you know, they're a team that they, they just, like I said, they don't pass block. Well, Um, they're not great run blocking 
either. And so just overall as a, as a unit, uh, they've got a decent, you know, a decent, a, you know, top 15 quarterback still. And then from there, they, they've got these wide receivers who one's an anomaly and one's an, you know, I, was he was Cooper Cup an offensive player of the year one year? I mean, oh my gosh, that the the, his, the Super Bowl year. Yeah, he was. That yeah, was, he was the that offensive was player of the year. Real uh, offensive yeah, player it, of the year. He he set records. He was nearly in the absolute record book for everything, and he was the Super Bowl MVP that year. Was ridiculous. And then you know you mentioned Puka Nakua has been a revelation uh, in terms of just being there but you look at it and and you know we're i don't want to say we're not believers in terms of of like pff grades or anything like that but you look at you know their top pff grades and and their top rated offensive lineman is is a you know backup guard uh their top guy that's played all along is rob havenstein who's been a really kind of solid yeah i I would say Per position, he's probably their best lineman at the like. He's the best quality that they have at the in terms of around the league at that position. I think he's a better right tackle than than Alaric Jackson is a left tackle. I think he's a right. better right tackle than Joe Newboom is a right guard. And I think he's a better right tackle than Colvin Shelton is a center. So like he's kind of their he's kind of their best lineman in in many ways. And but he's not great he's just he's solid he's he's the type of right tackle you'd love to have on your team yeah and and so but that's what it comes down to i mean so it's not a surprise that their running game is fine i mean it's not good it's slightly below average and it's you know whatever and then you know kyron williams is is averaging less than four yards per carry the next guy on the roster in terms of yards is Matthew Stafford, which is not great. Uh, <laughs> that is not what you want with your old, old frail quarterback. Right. Rushing. Ronnie, Ronnie rivers. Hasn't really, I mean, we saw him in Arizona and not a shot by any means, but if you can't play in Arizona, it's really hard to understand why you would be there and, and, in LA and you know, he's kind of just a, a guy that gets some snaps. Yeah. He doesn't play a ton. And like you said, Cam Akers, I mean, Cam Akers was averaging 1.3 yards per carry. Ah, he's, he was supposed to be so much better. And so, and so they're, they're a team that unfortunately for the Cardinals, the Rams strength is one of the Cardinals biggest weaknesses. And it's, it's the, the Rams throw the hell out of the ball and the Cardinals, you know, if they can't create blitzing situations, they probably can't stop um, Cooper Cup and, and Puka Nakua. And so, you know, that's a that's a reality that we're going to have to face in this coming game because even though the Rams are really average and, and they're a, you know, borderline bad team running the football, they throw the ball extremely well still, and the Cardinals – really struggle covering wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, defensively they haven't been anything spectacular. In fact, Aaron Donald, I think is it it has it happened. Is that Aaron Donald is just ordinary good now? Is that what that is? He, yeah, he has not absolutely he's not been a game wrecker this year. In, yeah, in five games I, he's got two and a half sacks and twenty tackles. Uh, he so he's definitely there's production, but he's if you kind of it, well, you, the J.J. Watt effect, like when J.J. Watt, he fell off the cliff and then he got hurt all the time and then he was solid in that last year. But now he's just an ordinary productive, like an ordinary good rather than otherworldly dominant. Well, and you look at it, I mean, it was one of those situations where uh, it was bound to happen. I mean, 31-year-old, first time he wasn't all pro since his rookie season. Um, so from 2015 to 2021 a span of seven consecutive seasons he was an all pro defensively um he won three defensive players of the year and so when you just look at what he did and i mean he had a career low in sacks yeah he only played in 11 games too so um 
it's just the body, you know, the old cliche of father times undefeated is, <laughs> is real for a reason. And, you know, even a guy like Aaron Donald, who at year 30 was third in defensive player of the year voting and all, an all pro f- first team and a pro bowler and, and, you know, was still a wrecking ball and a menace. You look at that 2021 season, it was it took every I'm, and and again, it's not a negative thing. It's not saying anything bad about him, but it probably took everything out of him to win that Super Bowl at age thirty. You know, three and a half sacks, seven uh, or four tackles for loss. You know, in that in that run, and and now he, you know, age thirty one, he starts to have injury issues. Age thirty two, like you said, now he's just a really good player um, again, and and not to take anything away or over state anything but the reality is he'd 100 percent be the best uh (laughs) defensive player on the cardinals team like today and and but you look at the other thing with him and that's really really interesting and and um it's percentage of snaps and he's playing since since his age 25 season this is the least amount percentage-wise of snaps he's play, playing in games. Um, he's at below 85% for the first time uh, since that since that 2016 season. And that's where it's at more than anything is that, you know, you look at all of those seasons, and I go back to 2021. He played over 1,000 defensive snaps at age 30. Uh, 90% of the teams. I I don't think people realize how absurd that is that that happens for for that position. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, for to play over 1000 snaps to play 90% of snaps, you're talking safeties corners and maybe high end line, like Fred Warner type linebackers. The rest of them are usually below 85%. And he did that in 2021. It was on pace to do it again in 22 before the injuries crept in. He, I mean, he played 89% of his available snaps in 2022. And so this year to only be at 83%. And I, you know, I say that very jokingly to only be at 83%. It, it tells you that there is the reality he's slowing down, why his production is slowing down. But it also is the reality that when he steps on the field on <clears> Sunday, um, he's probably still the best or second best player on the field. And, and by the way, the second best is Cooper cup. So like, <laughs> like yeah, it's not like, you know, and I think what, I think what we have to recognize as well, the talent drop off that the, that the Rams have suffered. They don't, they don't have well, elite talent at every level now. They well, have a, and, and, they their their defensive line. They've got Aaron Donald. They have unproven edge guys. They have Ernest Jones. He's a solid inside linebacker, but th- it's not the same. Their corner, their great corners have disappeared, and their safeties are so. Their defense, their defensive talent is simply not what it was. No, but it, and it's also one of those things that we you know we've talked about with the Cardinals and and the reality of going for it. Right. And so we're seeing the reality of going for it the year after, or I guess technically two years after when the Cardinals did it in 2021. And now you're seeing the Rams, you know, they went for it in 2021 and you're kind of seeing the reality of it, right. They went five and 12 last year. Um, You know, they're probably going to win six, maybe seven games this year. Um, just with their schedule, you know, they play obviously similar schedules to the Cardinals. So they have the Cardinals and they have the Steelers and then they go to or Dallas, then green Bay. And then on the back half of their schedule, they still have, you know, the Browns, the Ravens, uh, the saints and the 49ers again. And so you look at it, you're like, okay, where do they get six more wins? How do they get to eight wins? And, and any given Sunday is a thing, but you know, and so even if you give them two wins against the Cardinals, that's only four. So you got to still find four more wins on that schedule for a team. Again, that's really, really average. And so those, all those things, you know, are just a reality of where they are, because like you said, their, their talent has been removed and, and, that's what happens when you don't have a first round pick since what 2016. <laughs> right. Right. 
Uh, coming up next on the Rise Up Secret Podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk about keys for the Cardinals and matchups that we're looking at. That's coming up next, next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, the best, car, best hour of Cardinals talk on the web, talking about the Cardinals and the Rams in Week 6. Um, it's I think, I mean, do we can the Cardinals even compete if Cooper Cup goes off the way Brandon Ayuk did? the way that Jamar Chase did um, and, and so on and so forth. Um, do they even have a chance if they – I because they had two guys absolutely go off against San Francisco um, with, with Christian McCaffrey scored the four touchdowns and, Jamar, and, and Brandon Ayuk six catches for 148 yards. Last week it was nearly 200 yards from Jamar Chase and the – and the three touchdowns is, I, I guess you can't have, they can't have anybody just absolutely go off. Like, I guess, um, keep a receiver under, keep a player. Don't let anyone go for more than 150 total yards. <laughs> is that what we're at right now? I mean, I think that's the reality. I think you have to look at it and you have to, you have to say that you're hoping that Nakua and Cup combined stay under 225 yards, um, and then you throw in Kyron Williams, and that that trio has to be under 300 yards total for them to have a shot. Because you know if if Kyron Williams is going towards that 70 plus yard game, probably means that they were up and now they're just running the ball right, which is not what they do well. But if if you get ahead, it's really easy to not do it well and and still do it a lot and still have some success. So, um, you know, and that's a sad statement to make. And, and, and it looks like we're we're primarily probably going to see Antonio Hamilton against Cooper Cup, who is who is so good out of the slot. Um, it. Jalen Thompson is probably not playing this week. That, that's the guess as of right now, um, which not, means not, not a huge deal, right? I mean, we saw what happens when. <laughs> and so that him, means man. Antonio Hamilton in the slot, and that means Marco and and Keytrell will be there to guard uh, Puka and Atwell. Now Atwell, I don't know what we can expect, but you know if Marco ends up on Atwell. We saw the the Giants receiver, I don't remember his name, the speedy guy, get behind him a couple of times. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, yeah. J- Jalen yeah, Hyatt got behind him a couple of times, and, and that could happen. And so my key matchups to watch is, well, one, you've got to watch uh, Hamilton versus Cup, and you've got to whoever is p- covering Puka, um, whether that's Clark, whether that's or whether that's Wilson. Uh, I haven't looked. Where does where does Puka normally line up? Does he line up on the right side or left side? Well, let's take a look where his receiving. They're pretty multiple with how they do things. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. Snaps by position and detailed. So he's been in the slot 110 times. Uh, slot. Left, slot, left, slot, left, about, sorry, I'm doing math in my head. He's, so he's about a 50-50 split on the, on the slot left and right. Uh, And then he's a slight lean in when he lines up wide to the right side. Uh, 131 to 78. That'll be more Keytrell. Yeah, so 131 to 78 as a wide receiver like out wide receiver on the right side and virtually the same in those 110 yeah well, it actually is a 50 50 split now that i'm doing the math yeah. of of those of the slot stuff so he lines up but that's the thing you also have to remember is like in a slot he lines up whether it's wide in the slot middle in the slot or or almost as like a slot back slash you know h back he, he they line him up all over you know and that's one of the things mcveigh uh, excuse me mcveigh does and that's one of the things we've seen drew petzing start doing right and one of the big complaints of the cliff 
or Cliff Kingsbury era was the lack of um, using alignments or motion or anything like that to create mismatches for your star players. Well, McVay's kind of the complete opposite. And it's like, no, this is what I'm going to do anytime I can to make sure that my guy gets in a situation um, to be successful. So we'll see how it works out because, um, you know, you've got, you've got a group of corners who have not stopped good wide receivers, especially the the last three games. And, and now you're facing potentially, or sorry, the last two games, excuse me, excuse me, the last two games. And now you're facing potentially the best duo that you faced thus far. Um, Cause I mean, if you think about it, Debo had a really good game, but he was used in multiple ways. I mean, he had, um, he had what only, they, they held at? him pretty low, but he was also hurt going into that game. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, so he didn't have a ton of yards in that game. And and so that's what I'm saying. They've, you know, this is probably the game where they're facing the best duo they faced. The, not necessarily the best receiver because Ayuk and Chase have been putting up massive seasons, but having Nakua and Cup stresses the defense in a different way because even if you are able to slow down one, it's really hard to see them slowing down both. And so that's why we said, like, you might say, you know, oh, you know, keep them under 225 total yards between the two of them. It's like, <laughs> no, that's being gracious because I could see them. I, I mean, we're literally saying we could see them going for 300 yards between the two of them. Like that would not, we wouldn't be like, ah, I cannot believe that happened. You and I would be like, like uh, yeah, they suppose. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a reason they won. Right. Like, cause yeah. I had well, I, I'm, you know, they've got to be able to do something with the run game, and that's going to be extremely hard. It, 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 we anticipate it will be Keontae Ingram and Amari Di Mercado. I wonder how much Rondell Moore is involved in the run game this week. And I think with the way that, you know, and again, these are just kind of broad statistics, so don't, you know, we're not diving deep into the uh, recesses here by any means but you look at you look at what they've given up rushing total wise and you know 85 to the Seahawks in game one the Seahawks haven't really established the dominant running game that many thought that they could have with Kenneth Walker and and uh who's the guy they just drafted uh goodness that we both like uh Zach Charbonnet this year I mean both those guys combined were less than what James Conner had done this year. So, I mean, it's not surprising. And then the next game against maybe the best running team in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers put up 159 rushing yards. So you're like, okay. Uh, The Bengals offense as a whole was struggling. They only put up 67 rushing yards. But last two games with quarterbacks that could run better than Josh Dobbs, so I don't want anybody to think I'm saying that they can't or that Josh Jobs can run like these. But, you know, the, the Colts had 133 rushing yards. And, and and again, they were down 20 to zero and had 133 rushing yards. And then the Eagles, 159 rushing yards. So there's yards to be had. I mean, they've kept one team under 300 yards all season. That was game one against the Seahawks, where, again, the Seahawks just didn't look prepared or anything like that. Um, and in their wins 180 and 329 yards so you know just about 250 yards from scrimmage and then in their losses you're talking i mean you're talking they're getting um 375 yards a game put up on them so it it's very much a defense a bipolar defense if you will and and a defense that they live off of being able to to move the ball and and long drives, sustained drives that are fueled by their, you know, very timely and, and intricate passing game. But their defense has not been good. I mean, there's just the only way we can put it is that they've just not been good. Um, and so 
how do they stop a Cardinals offense that is slightly below average, would you say, or or would you say they're bad now? Like what would be your opinion? That that's a good question. They're they're 19th in points. They're still, they're still sixth in rushing yards, but the main guy is now gone. Um, So, I mean, it's just, the question becomes, can they, I mean, cause they've been average, they 15th, 16th in, in yardage, the Cardinals, the, very average, nothing wrong with that. But when now you're talking about their top two weapons, obviously they haven't had Murray all year and, and now James Connor is out. So, so can they take advantage of a poorish run defense and, and the ability to throw the ball? Because, you know, like you said, the, the Rams pass rush, especially that ferocious pass rush is not what it was um, even last year, but definitely not two years ago. Right. Um, If the Cardinals, the Cardinals need to make Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. There's, there's no way around that. Um, If he, if they don't get pressure, he will pick them apart. Even at that, that's kind of the key. So you look at the matchups of of the outside linebackers. So your your Demikaji guard at Collins Cam Thomas combination against their tackles of Alaric Jackson Rob Havenstein. How do they do? They they've got to win a lot of those. They they probably need a minimum of three sacks. Um, not necessarily from those guys, but in particularly those guys because that's. Uh, we, we can't ex- we, we can't expect much from that the interior defenders uh, with where they're at, but that that's another super key. And absolutely, it, they can't turn the ball. They can't turn the ball over. So Josh Dobbs has got to be much more careful with the football this this week. And and in turn, what that that requires them to get out to a lead. That get, they have to score points early. Otherwise, y- you're you're asking Dobbs to bring them back which sounds awful. It's not, it's not ideal. Like you get in, like they did it. They, they came back from 10 points down to be four points up, but then like immediately gave up the lead. And then that was that pretty much. And so there's so many things like, they can't turn the football over. They've got to find some way, some way to, to produce in the running game. And I think they need big games from both Hollywood and Michael Wilson. I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah, and you know, I thought it was cool that whether it was um, on whether it was on uh, Dobbs or Petsing or whoever the situation was, I thought it was cool that they uh, he kind of owned the fact that they didn't get the ball out enough to um, Michael Wilson, right? Like they said, oh, those that's on us. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how this plays out and, and things of that nature. Uh, they have to, like you said, you have to, um, get a, get production out of, of Wilson Brown, whether it's Ertz or Swaim or, or whoever it is, they all have to, um, they, they all have to find a way to, get the ball and get healthy in the, against this, you know, again, I don't want to say bad cause they're not bad, but really kind of average Rams defense, but with how they were expecting to play this season, I don't know if that's plausible with, without James Connor. So it's going to be huge for this team to, to see where they're at without, James Conner. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, we serve Cardinals talk on the web. It's time for the segment where we make our picks and predictions and the prop bets we like. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, we serve Cardinals talk on the web. Predictions and picks and, and the things that we expect to happen. I am not optimistic in this game, but I also, the more I think about it, because of how ordinary the Rams have been, I think it's just going to I think it's going to be not a lovely game. And if I had to pick a prediction, um, I think the Cardinals will struggle offensively. And I think the passing game will hum for the Rams, but they're not a great red zone team. And so 
they will pick up yards, but might not um, score. Like they might turn the ball over once or twice. That they they've been prone to the turnovers so, so far this year. You know, Stafford's got five interceptions in five games so far this season. But I think I don't think there's any way. I I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to get a big game for Cooper Cup, and you have to hope that he's the only one rather than having be both Cup and Nakua. But I think this game ends up being a 10-point loss. Um, I think it's a 10-11 point loss. I think it'll say 27-17. Yeah, and I think that we're going to see a backdoor cover similar to what we should have seen in San Francisco. I don't think there's ever a doubt especially in the second half that the Rams are going to win this game. But I do think the Cardinals can find a way to, uh, to get to 21 and make it a 27, 21 game, cover that now seven point spread um, and, and, you know, see what happens. But like Jess said, I wouldn't be shocked if it was, you know, 27 to 10 and then the Cardinals score late either, because just how they have not fared or, or played particularly well, uh, last couple of games and now you're without James Connor. Yeah. So no James Connor, no Jalen Thompson. Now they, they should get Jonathan Ledbetter back. And and maybe Keontae Ingram will 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 surprise us, yeah. Maybe. Because he does got some he's a guy that's got a little bit of juice to him. He can, he does have some bursts, and so there'd be something. Now do I expect that? No, I don't expect that at all. Um no. and so how many sacks I think I think they get. I still think that I think the pass rush will get three sacks, maybe a turnover, but I, I bet the Cardinals turn the ball over twice. Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, Dobbs had his first two interceptions last week. The fact that Dobbs is outplaying Matthew Stafford statistically is just a baffling situation to me. Like it's really complicated for me to understand how that's even plausible, but the way that that staffers play this year and the way that Dobbs, you know, played in that three game stretch was, was, you know, impressive. So we'll see how it works and looks and all of that. But right now, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't expect this to be a clean game from Dobbs, but there is no, uh, there's no props yet. We're, we're both, you know, this is a Thursday. We're both looking into it. Uh, by the way, this is not one of those games where we're like hammer the, the interception for the opposing quarterback, even though it is, relatively even money um it's not it i don't know if the juice is good enough to to take it for stafford because he's thrown five interceptions but can the cardinals cause enough havoc to force him to throw one that's a bigger question yeah that's not a bad one at minus 105 that's fair let's see even money more or less i think yeah, the one that, even. yeah I, I think the one that you just have to say that's that's a lock and it's not it's it's they're the 50 50 odds it's minus 115 but cooper cup over 86 and a half yards <laughs> yeah i think that's i think that one's easy that one's easy to me because yeah and and jess and i never really you know go with the idea of like hey do this site instead of this site but i will say DraftKings has that same number over 86 and a half but at minus 105 so again the the juice that's your better that's your better value there yeah the juice is just a little better um in that the other thing and i mentioned it in our you know our podcast on on tuesday DraftKings has a bet plus 200 for Cup and Nakua to combine for 185 yards. I don't necessarily see how that doesn't happen. I mean, we're not saying that it's a lock by any means, but it just feels really easy to see both of you know, them get about, you know, Cup at about 100 and, and Nakua about 90, and, like, it wouldn't surprise either of us and they did it last week because is uh, cup had 118 puka had 71 uh the other one i'm looking at that that i think is i will i think will certainly be one that i think we get is the longest passing completion uh it's set at 37 and a half yards for matthew stafford based on what we've seen over the last couple of weeks um 
I think that's I think that's a safe bet at minus one ten. Yeah, that seems like a really safe bet, and I think that's better on your side. I think mine was one fifteen. Uh, yeah, because they they have it at minus oh, one ten. One ten. Okay, because it's minus one twenty for the under, which is interesting. Um, are 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 we going kicks this time? Because I think like it's it's at six and a half for for Prater. Like, seems like a lot right now. Yeah, uh, and, and especially if I'm thinking because I I'm I'm thinking seventeen points. That's not going to get him there. So if you if you if you think that the Cardinals will struggle offensively, you know, under six and a half at minus one twenty is not a bad play. Certainly. Um, what about Brett Maher, the uh, the Rams kicker? His over point extras is two and a half. You and I both think that they score twenty seven. That would mean. Three touchdowns, two field goals. Um, his his kicking points is over seven and a half, but over two and a half PAT seems fairly reachable. Yeah. yeah. At oh plus, yeah. At, at plus one ten as well, so that's plus money. That that's over there. That's a better than the line over here at BetMGM, which is uh, over two and a half is plus one hundred five. So it'll get you a few extra dollars over DraftKings yeah. than at BetMGM. They're not paying. Neither one of them is paying us. So whatever, whatever. It's fine. If though, right. hey, if. Sponsors out there, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, better any of y'all, hit us up. We'll we'll we will advertise your, your site. Um, <laughs> something something we did one game against the Cowboys, and then we both crapped the bet on it. But we, I, you know, another since there's not a ton of Cardinals centric this week with all the unknowns, especially with the you know the the prop bets. I like the Cardinals point bands 11 to 20 and then 21 to 30 uh, 11 to 20 is plus 155 21 to 30 is plus 160 so a 10 dollar bet on that 11 to 20 would win you you know 1550 a 20 or you know a a, a 5 dollar bet on that 21 to 30 would would get you you know, eight bucks, not a ton of money, but it would basically guarantee that you break even. And if you think that the Cardinals score less than 11 points, so zero to 10, it's plus 475. I wouldn't it, like I, if you were like, oh, the Cardinals only scored 10, I'm not going to be aghast. But if you think that the Cardinals score more than 30, put <laughs> money on it because it's plus 600, I would be sh- shocked, shocked, no I tell way. you, if no they score way. 31 points. Like, <laughs> Je- Jess and I would come back on this and be like, we don't know what happened right now, but something crazy happened. So, I, you know, you've talked about it before, those points bands, that's where some fun money can be had, I think, um, you know, and you can kind of hedge where you're at worst breaking even or, or making a little bit of, of money on that. I like, I like those bets there, but uh, you know, it's just, this is a tough one, man. Let's be honest. Like we don't know what to expect now without James Conner, at least, at least you had an idea of what this offense was for, uh, you know, four and a half games with James Conner, where you were, you were like, Oh, they're very competent. If underwhelming, not explosive kind of plotting, but that's not, shocking like we we knew that's who they were coming in and now you you take that connor element out of everything and you go i I have no idea man like i don't know what's gonna happen i don't know who's gonna fill in i don't know who's gonna play well i don't know who's gonna play poorly like none of it makes any sense so don't uh don't ask me because i'm kind of learning with you at this point right like that's kind of where we're at yeah um in this in this one because we just I mean, it just hasn't been something we expected. Like we did not expect them to, we did not expect them to be um, bad by any means, but all of a sudden we don't know how they're going to react when you're talking about losing the most important player on your, the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah. And you know how we declare that they're a good, bad team. I don't think they're a good, bad team probably right now. Yeah. And it's again, but that's not surprising. No, no, no. Like you use, you lose your top defensive lineman. You lose Buddha. You lose Jalen Thompson. You you don't have Kyler Murray back. Then you lose James Conner. It's it that was inevitable. Like the they're playing with the there's 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 intrigue with some of the guys that are playing. But no, there's well, and it's funny to me that and and I'm interested 
in your take in this because even after Sunday, while the Cardinals fans are, I think, a little worse for wear after that one, um, the national media, like nobody's like, oh, we were wrong about Jonathan Gannon. Like the narrative and the idea still is that they are on the right track. Um, and so do you think it's just that the fans and partially, you know, you and I were on this side. Do you think it was just one of those situations where we probably overly excited and, and I'm not blaming the media or anything like that, but like the fans par- portion of this, we were maybe over a little too enthusiastic and overexcited about their potential to, uh, to beat the, uh, the Bengals. And now we're going back to, Oh man, like <laughs> we, we, did, overdid this just a little bit well you know I, I will say i'm guilty of this i've been guilty of this every year since like 1991 <laughs> right no and, and that's the thing is like i and you know we go back to our picks even neither one of us have think that they're going to win this game neither one of us do i just have the idea that they can once again backdoor cover their way into something um in this game but I don't necessarily know that they're, uh, you know, like you said, they're a good team or anything of that nature at this point. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Um, I don't know, as as of right now, I don't have a, a, a Rams person lined up for this weekend, so this might be the last show we have. At minimum, we will be back next week to talk about how the Cardinals did against the Rams. But if something comes up, hopefully we can get another show. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is episode 473, I think. And we'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.